Mattress. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing Tangled Dreams by Lori Foster. So this was published in 1999. It is number two in the Winston Brothers series, and it is part of the anthology Charmed, which is a Halloween novella compendium. Yeah. Um, this book is really interesting. Having finally finished all four books, I don't really know that other than happening on Halloween, there is much of a Halloween theme tying them together. Honestly, the only one that really seemed to have much to do with Halloween is the one that happened on an alien planet. Yep, that's correct. But so uh, the book jacket for this is short and sweet. So why don't you read it, Meg? Okay. In Tangled Dreams, a pair of ghostly lovers conspire to bring together shy Allison Barrow and sexy bartender Chase Winston to recover a treasure long missing. Along the bumpy way, Allison and Chase discover fantasy-fulfilling depths of passion and a danger that threatens it all. I mean, that's basically what happens. It honestly, the book jacket makes it sound better than it was. Oh, for sure. <laughs> that said, like, the, the jacket's not bad. I mean, and especially considering that, that as Lane just said, the jacket makes it sound better than it actually is. I would give this this book jacket five stars. Yeah, and especially only having two sentences to work with. This well done. fully gets the point across. Well done. Well done, Lori Foster, for your book jacket. So, Meg, how did you improve on that jacket in only eight words? Well, I think I added really the, the, the element that was missing from the book jacket. So here are my eight words. Mind reading, ghosts, and mild bondage equals lifelong love. Yep. Uh, so how about you, Lane? I think I just wrote the same thing as the jacket, but more succinctly. Yeah. Um, get laid to get hidden treasure because ghosts. Yeah, I mean, that's basically it. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, so, what, so are there tropes in a yes. novella? What is the trope? What are the tropes of this novella? So, um, she, I don't, I'm trying to figure out if I want to start with this trope because I can launch quickly into what offended me so much about this book from it. Yeah, we can, I mean, we can do it later. Uh, I'm going to so jump around. I, yeah, I, I, think I think one of the, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I think one of the key tropes is about Allison's character. Yeah. She's sort of the marrying kind. So yes. men don't notice her in like a deviant sexual one night stand way. And yeah. so Chase sort of cataloged her existence and immediately forgot about her upon meeting her because yeah. they have family in common and she's clearly not the hookup type. Yeah, she's not the hookup type and she also isn't trying to be noticed. So this it also has the trope where all of a sudden the girl who was always kind of in the background now suddenly like screams to the front of the pack because... Yeah she changes something about herself. So she's wearing like this really cute outfit. And he, I'm not going to say he, what else makes her so noticeable <laughs> because it's really weird and it's not tropey at all. Yeah. So the other thing I would point out is there's a scheming aunt like entity that I recognized from a lot of historicals we've read 
Yeah. Except in this case, that ant-like entity is a ghost haunting her house. Yes. Yes. Okay. So what's the, the, I mean, should we just wait until sexiness to talk about this trope? No, because we have to do it now. Okay. Okay. So what is this trope? So it gets revealed that she has been put up to the task of finding a grand passion by the ghosts. The ghosts are basically like, you got to get laid. And she's like, okay, I'll find someone to bone me. And then the ghosts decide to scheme to make it chase. The the way the ghosts manipulate the situation is by giving him the ability to read her mind. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. So that's what leads to the whole confrontation, leads to him following her back to her house, blah, blah, blah. And it becomes apparent to him through what she says, but also through the mind reading that she is a virgin who's into kinky shit. Yeah. I mean, this is such a, is such a trope. I mean, like, think about the highwayman, which we just read. She was like Mm. total virgin. And he was like, (sighs) I mean, I guess in that case he was, he was not kinky because he wanted to be kinky. Right. He was like kinky because he had to be kinky, but she was still really into it. But I've gone on this rant and I went on this rant in the highwayman and I went on this, went on this rant in the first Scarlet Peckham we read. Mm-hmm. One of the things I hate the most is this idea of a man who will only have sex on his terms in his way. And like, clearly everyone should only have sex on their terms. I'm not criticizing right. consent, but this concept that like, Oh, I can only, sex is only worth it to me if I can tie you up and you don't have a chance to touch me. Yeah. And clearly you're, at that point, you're imposing a lot onto the other person, especially in this case, a virgin who doesn't know what she else she might like. And it really was driven home at the end of the book where she asks him to do something different. And he's like, nah. And he says, no, and I can read your mind so I know you liked it so you don't get to pull that card. And it's like, okay, she might have liked it, but like, one, you didn't really give her a choice. Yeah. And two, like, maybe she would like other things, too. Yeah. And also, like, I don't know. I've never met someone who was like, I'm completely disinterested in this concept of sex unless it happens in this very specific way. In this exact specific way. And, you know, look, I, I get it. Like, there are people who are into kink. Um, right. And, like, that's their thing. But then, you know what they do? They don't go and, like, find a virgin person to who's never experienced anything else they go and find someone who's also into that kink and the point is like he has done that up to this point yeah but then by falling for her and imposing it on her it was really squeaky and look i don't praise 50 shades of gray for much because i think it's largely very bad but i'll give it credit that christian is exclusively interested in sex in this very very narrow way and then when anna says hey i'm a virgin they go have sex the way she wants to. Yeah. Like there is not a lot that is praiseworthy about this book, but like about that book, but at the very least he takes her inexperience into consideration the first time they have sex. Right. And like when I'm saying this book suffers in comparison to 50 shades of gray in that regard, <laughs> which is in certainly no way a masterpiece of consent. I'm saying there's some real issues here. Yeah. Well, and I think also I, I do want to say that, like, just because you're a virgin doesn't mean you, you can't know that that's what you're going to be into. Because you certainly can. 
Of course, but um, she was basically forced into this situation by weird manipulative ghosts and mind reading without her consent. Like, this is not a situation where she thought going into this, I think I want to be tied up. Right, right. That's the thing. That's I think that's what we're, we have issues with. Right, so, like, that's the problem. So what happens in this book, basically this book starts from Chase's perspective. He's suddenly noticing Allison for the, you know, he's he's met her before, but all of a sudden he's aware of her as a woman because she's wearing new clothes, but also because she's just thinking about having sex with him and he can read her mind all of a sudden he's never been able to before and he can't read anyone else's mind and he's never been able to read anyone else's mind before and he can't read anyone else's mind in the bar and he checks with his brothers and they can't read Allison's mind so he's real confused he's real confused but then he's also like come back to my office with me so we can talk about what's happening and then it gets kind of uh, you know, I don't think we're going to separate this into, like, three sections because the offensiveness is really, like, woven in. So they get into his office behind the bar, and he's, like, he's, like, you – it gets very victim-blaming because he's, like, I can't believe you are making me get this erection. And she's, like, wait, what? I'm not uh, – you're blaming me for you getting horny. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, yeah, because I can read your mind. And she's, like, okay, also – not my fault. I also, I found it very weird. I am all for stories where you just kind of accept the supernatural. Yeah. And you don't question it. It doesn't get explained. But in this book, he is immediately sure he's reading his mind, her mind. Like he's able to read her mind and believes that she has like the magic powers to control it. Totally. But completely dismissive of the idea of ghosts. It's really funny. And I'm like, you don't get to have it both ways. Like, if you're just going to have me take the existence of magic at face value and that this is a society where people can easily accept it, yeah, you don't then get to be like, but ghosts are weird. Yeah. So they go into the they go into his office where he kind of makes out with her and then also blames her for having an erection. Then, of course, the brothers walk in on them and it's embarrassing, and but also he mentions his erection several times. Yeah. Does he? What does he say? Does he say erection or does he say boner? I've already blocked this out, Meg. Because <laughs> in my notes I wrote boner, but I feel like maybe that was just me writing notes. <laughs> I don't remember. Okay. I think he says erection. I think he says erection too. But I, I apparently in my notes the word bone and boner were used like <laughs> a million times. So I was just actually like, I'm I, seeing this here. It's really. That's usually more my tone. That's I, pretty I, good. I don't know what got into me, but I like I, I really wrote it. Okay. Um, okay. So they're both. They finally are both like, okay, we'll meet tomorrow and talk out this weird situation, and we'll see what's going on. Okay. Ttyl. She leaves, and then he's closing down the bar, and all of a sudden he gets a telepathic feeling that she's she's in danger. She's feeling uncomfortable in the bath. The fact that he also, like, knows she is in the bath, let alone how she feels. Right? Very weird. Yeah. So he, he runs over to her house. Like, I don't even think he takes a car. I think he, like, literally walks or runs to her house. And then he breaks in through the window and... Well, just... So he enters without permission, but the window is already open. The window's already open. Oh, my gosh. Like, you're such a lawyer, Lane. 
No, and I wouldn't be that way. Not entering, it's just entering. No, but because it becomes relevant that he didn't have to force entry. This, that's true. The window was already open. So he goes in, he goes in the window, goes into her bathroom, surprises her in there. Can I stop one second? Because you missed a key plot point tied to oh. that window issue. What did I miss? In the bar, in the middle of him pulling her into his office and talking about his boner, her current boyfriend, who she is about to get engaged to, shows up. Yeah, this guy who's who's literally has been like, will you marry me? But she hasn't answered him yet. And they've been dating for eight months. And as far as, it, like, not only have they not had sex, it kind of appears they've never been physically intimate in any way. Like kissed or anything. Which I, is, I don't. There's I, I, a, if there's one tre- tre- trend other than not actually being Halloween-y, tying these novellas together, it is some weird-ass concepts of when you should get engaged. Oh, so true. So true. Yeah. So anyway, this boyfriend shows up and Chase gets all like macho man bullshitty about like, we're going to fight over the girl. She and wants then, to me because I can read her mind. And then she gets her boyfriend to leave or whatever. Not ex-boyfriend, by the way. Boyfriend. Her boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And then he goes to her house. So now we're in the bathtub. Okay. Sorry. Sorry we missed that plot point. Now we're in the bathtub and she... She's like, okay, I'll get dressed. I'll meet you downstairs or something like that. So they go down and he's like, see, I didn't open this window. And I was like, this is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> there's no proof. There's not proof, you know? Well, not only that, but like, even if she believes he shut the window, she's like, oh, the ghost did it. <laughs> yeah, she's like, oh, the ghost, the ghost opened it. So or he's like, it. okay, I don't believe in the ghost, but I do believe someone has been in the house. It's all very weird. And, and like, the lights are flickering and there's cold breezes and everything is weird in the house. And he's like, nah, ghosts aren't a thing. They aren't a thing. Nope, nope. Mm-hmm. They go in the kitchen. He's kind of, um, um, what, am I, what am I trying to say here? He's, what's, what's the opposite of complimenting? Insulting. He's insulting the, the kitchen and he gets whacked on the head by, you know, uh, cereal box or something falling off the fridge and he's like what's that and she's like well dean doesn't like it when you no burke burke doesn't like it because he worked really hard on making this house (laughs) which whatever but then they finally go up to her bedroom and what gets him to actually believe that there are ghosts is that they're ha- of course, they're having, oh, we forgot this in tropes. They're having an argument about how, fine, if you don't think I'm sexy enough to have sex with, go away. And he's like, no, I, I've, I've thought you were sexy ever since we met, but I didn't want to start anything because. I'm too kinky for you. I'm too kinky for you, but he doesn't say it. She goes, oh, you're into kinky shit. I mean, she doesn't say that. She's like, oh, you, you like kinky sex. <laughs> and he. Which, he goes, by the way. How do you do know? I- do I really think people who are into light bondage walk around thinking that they're too sexually deviant for normal life? Uh, no, I, I do know. not. Do you think that, do you think so, Lane? No, I think the underground crowds of kink are way more extreme than that. Way more extreme. Yeah, no, agreed. And she, so he said, he goes, how did you know that, that I'm into kinky stuff? And she says, the ghosts told me, and that <laughs> that there are actually ghosts. And then she makes him read the ghost's diary. 
Uh-huh. So that he has the backstory on why she now needs to bone and it's so she can inherit this jewelry. Yeah. But more importantly, because she's clearly not money motivated and wouldn't do it just for that, she thinks that finding the jewels is key to letting the ghosts move on. Yeah, they'll move on. So so they bone. Only part of the book I related with. If I'm going to be petty, one thing after death, damn right it's going to be my jewelry. Right. And we will get there. I think we will maintain our normal. We're going to end with sexiness. So they bone. And then (laughs) after they bone, it was so good that it moved the bed. And they discovered the jewelry. No, they discovered a treasure map hidden in one of the legs of the bed. And apparently, like, the bed isn't perfectly even, but it's so heavy that the only way you know that is from, like, frantic thrusting. Yeah, yeah. And also, in all of the time that this house has been around, no one's tried to rearrange the furniture in this room, apparently. No. So then they find they have this treasure map, and they go find the base, the, the jewelry in the basement, and... Along comes in. I'm sorry, the indignity in the laundry chute. In the laundry chute, yeah, 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 yeah. Just not then where you keep the emeralds, guys. They're they're searching, searching for them. They find them, and then what should happen? But the the previous the person who actually did break and enter the house previously returns with a gun. And that person is. I mean, there's only one other character we've talked about. So yeah, you know we're going to leave it spoiler-free, but you know how it's going. <laughs> I mean, normally we keep these spoiler-free, but this entire, we just spoil everything. <laughs> everything in this novella. Sorry, guys. It was written in 1999. It's her fiancé. Her, her <laughs> Almost fiancé. The guy she was in the process of dumping. Her boyfriend, who she didn't bone in eight months. Because she was too busy fantasizing about Chase that whole time? Question yep. Mark? yep, I think. I also, I need to talk about Allison's character and the fact that she plotted this seduction of this bartender she's been roll into for months mm-hmm. while still dating another guy who she knew was proposing. Yeah. And the guy that she was dating, this Jack guy, she had told him all about the ghosts and the jewelry and everything. And the thing is, he didn't believe her about the ghost, but did believe her about the jewelry. <laughs> and apparently the jewelry is the reason he stayed with her. Well, Unclear. and also, it's so it's so ridiculous to me because the jewelry's not, I mean, yes, emeralds are nice. They're really not worth that much. And But and she even says that. Like, yeah. it's a keepsake, not like a profit piece. Right. Uh, and that for her, it was more about freeing the ghost, whatever, but like. Yeah, definitely not the kind of money worth killing for. Yeah, and then I think we get to the not final... That, not that any amount of money is worth killing for. No, Let me just no. put that out there. Clearly. But, and then we get to the final part that's a little offensive, which is that they... So, how do they get away from Jack? Ghostly interference. So the ghosts help them by, you know, turning out the lights and conking him on the head and stuff like that. And, and then, then summoning his brothers. Yes, yes, summoning his brother. And then when the police come, they convince the police that the guy's crazy. And it's so easy to do, in quotation marks, because he keeps blathering on about ghosts. So, you know, it's just another crazy gunman. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that, that bugged me. 
Um, let's end on a high note, the sex. I, I don't really know that I'd call it a high note. I mean, it was the best part of the book. Not saying much. It's not saying much, but it was. I thought it was pretty sexy. And honestly, of all of the novellas in the, the book, I think this was the the most explicit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> one of them had no sex. Yes, alert. that is true. Um, yeah. It was like objectively explicit. Yeah. It was so for his pleasure. Yeah. That I was mostly kind of disturbed by it. And yeah. not like because of the kink. We've read kinkier stuff that I have liked. Oh, we, we have, you know, I want to be, let's make this clear. <laughs> this is not me like kink shaming. This is literally, you're in his head for most of the sex because at the time he can read her mind and that, I guess, gets you in both of their heads. Yeah. And it's really just about him like doing what he needs to to get himself off and being like, pleased that she's enjoying it too he's like oh she's into it great awesome I don't have to change my normal mo right and it's not about like okay my goal is to make this weird situation and her first time good it's him saying my goal is to have sex the way I want to have sex and oh good news she's into it and so like as much as it was explicit and sexy like it was the furthest thing from actually erotic to me yeah, I, you know, I don't, I don't disagree. But anyway, so that <laughs> was Tangled Dreams by Lori Foster. Have you ever read anything else by her? No, I never have. Uh, apparently these um, Winston Brothers were pretty popular, though. Yeah, it was interesting. I was just reading like a random Google review when I was yeah. looking for book jackets and like for the summary of what was the four stories were so I could keep them straight when I was doing my notes and like a bunch of the comments were I only read this for the Lori Foster yeah and I'd never heard of her before so yeah well I mean I only read it for the Jane for the Jane Castle so we're even no kidding (laughs) um this book is really short so if you have any interest at all in the premise even though we just spoiled the whole thing it's worth reading because it probably will take you a half hour yeah and I mean I'm gonna be honest is this novella collection like really really good no but did I was I were you not entertained Lane oh I was entertained so it's it's extremely entertaining if only because like the worlds in each of the stories are so different yeah with the exception of the Jane Castle almost no attempt is made at world building so just if only from the confusion they're intriguing definitely well, thank you guys so much for tuning in for our Halloween specials. <laughs> and if you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe.